0: What's on the menu this evening, sir? Your favourite dish. Excellent. Usual table, sir? Oh, why, thank you. Would sir care to pay for his bill in advance? No, stick it on my tab. I regret to inform, sir. Credit limit was reached and breached quite some time ago. Oh, well, in that case... Ah, Hard currency. That'll do nicely. Can't be too careful when we're dealing with your type, can we, sir? It would sir, of care for a starter, some garlic bread, perhaps. No, thank you. I'll proceed directly to the intravenous injection of hard drugs, please. As you wish, sir. as you
1: wish. All right, Andrea, I have a very, very important question for you. Tell me. How do you feel about Jean Claude Van Damme? You
0: know what? He's actually pretty fucking cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, am I, I I enjoy Jean Jean Claude Van Damme. Like. At first, I, like, you know, when I was younger, I thought he was ridiculous. You know, I watched, like, Bloodsport and shit. But, like, you know, he seems like a pretty stand-up guy.
0: You know, I'm I'm going to get this wrong, maybe. But at least the, the basis of this story is true. John claude Van Damme, I want to say he was out with a girl, and these guys tried to rob him, and he beat up, like, three dudes that were trying to rob them.
1: Oh, yeah. he's He's a real martial artist, unlike, uh... Shit, I'm blanking out on his name. What's the guy who ended up and now is, like, living in Russia? He was, like, an action star. Oh, God. He got got fat. What is his name? Oh,
0: the greasy motherfucker.
1: Yeah, what is his name? Shit. Uh. The guy who actually doesn't—he doesn't know how to fight, and all of his fight scenes are really awkward. And like,
0: and he's really shitty to stunt people.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh my god!
0: Like, he actually hurt a stunt person really badly once doing a, a horrible prank. God, why can't I think of it? Someone looking up
1: shitty action star right now. <laughs>
0: oh god what's his name
1: steven seagal (laughs)
0: steven seagal yes Uh, that kind of
1: had to do with an ask my head my head kept going to like sylvester stallone but i'm like nah, sylvester stallone's all right Nah, steven seagal fuck him anyway fuck
0: you steven
1: but jean-claude van damme mm, now that's a man
0: that's a mighty mighty good man
1: anyways we're talking about jean-claude van damme just because you know a lot of uh a lot of the skag boys seem to talk about him a lot. And the, who are the skag boys? Well, you know, they're the uh they're the guys from train spotting, you know. So that's what we're talking about today, good old train spotting. It was a nice uh,
0: casual story.
1: Very lighthearted, <laughs> um, easy, easy to listen to. Um it's is a it's a story for the whole family. And you know, gather gather your boys, your girls around and just like, you know, just relish in friendship.
0: Re- yeah yeah okay look just an open disclaimer this whole month we're doing mental health and uh this specifically if you have history of substance abuse and don't want to poke that bear if you don't want to hear about dead babies don't poke that bear um it's a heavy subject matter so you know
1: and there's there, there might be also talks about you know some rape and stuff as well depending on how much we want to talk about the book at least yeah anyways train spotting it's uh it was the first novel written by Irvine Welsh uh came it was published in 1993 um so one interesting thing about Irvine Welsh is uh people really don't know how old he is <gasps> um so is he being is he coy
0: or does he not know how old he is <laughs>
1: Well, he claims to have been born in 1958, but the but according to the Glasgow police, his birth record is dated around 1951. So there's like a 7-year difference between his his age. Or maybe so he stole really,
0: someone's identity.
1: I don't know, like I mean that would make sense to me. I wonder like how much uh of this book like is first-hand account. I mean, he, uh, I mean, he grew up in Edinburgh. This this story takes place in Edinburgh, and it's dealing with uh, basically the filth and scum of Edinburgh.
0: Edinburgh.
1: Uh, is isn't is thats is Edinburgh? I think so. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. No, no, you're more right. You're right. Well, we, you're just right.
0: Scotland. we just done lost listening. Scotland. Scotland's Sorry, Scotland.
1: <laughs> Also, anyone from Edinburgh, I'm pretty sure y'all are right. I don't really know. All I know about Edinburgh is from the story, and it's just talking about, I guess, like the most deplorable people.
0: Wow, we definitely lost Scotland now.
1: No, Scotland's great. I'm Scottish. I have Scots in my blood.
0: All right, you're like American Scottish, though. But
1: but still (laughs) Scottish.
0: Are you also 116th Cherokee? Is that what you're going to tell me next?
1: Um, where were we at? Sorry, my my audio cut out. So if there's a weird edit here, that's that's why. Um, you were
0: saying Edinburgh is just composed of deplorables.
1: No, it just I it it seems like Edinburgh is it, it seems at least from this book at least a lot of Edinburgh seems to be dealing with um, narcotics. At least in the 80s, this novel was set in the 80s, and um, the movie which came out in 1996 was directed by Danny Boyle and starred Ewan McGregor, good old uh good old Obi-Wan Kenobi. But no, it sort of lets us take a look at the life of people that usually stories don't talk about and when this book came out it was there was a little bunch of controversy cuz people are basically like one there's too much fucking cussing like this 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 book was supposed to be nominated for a booker for a booker prize but two of the judges got really offended by the book so it got kicked out
0: you know what fuck those judges too while we're at it
1: yeah i mean really if you can't if you can't handle like stories about different kinds of people it, you can't be a real fucking judge on that at that
0: and you know mm-hmm. considering that the setting so i think it's a miracle the world made it out of the 80s alive at all because i That's why I don't think this is very particular to Edinburgh, but any major city had rampant violence and crime, and New York was still owned by the mafia, essentially, at this point. You had serial killers fucking everywhere. Like, Mm -hmm. kids were still walking alone everywhere because helicopter parents didn't exist, and I think it makes sense, considering all the shit that happened in the 80s, that helicopter parents now exist. But, I mean, kudos world that we got this far.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean... You're right. It's not just Edinburgh. Like it's some of it sort of reminds me of West Virginia and Mountain Mama. I mean, I'm what? <laughs> just ignore me. <laughs> oh, Mountain Mama. Oh, okay. Oh, that's West Virginia Mama. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, because I mean. West Virginia like I I I grew up in West Virginia for the first couple of years of my life so but um West Virginia is currently dealing with a lot of uh drug abuse specifically meth and heroin I think actually the most heroin users in the entire United States are in is in West Virginia and I have a brother and his family live in the, live in, in in that state and he mentions all the time like how he sees like needles and whatnot so it's uh addiction is not located to just one place but we usually do a summary but i really don't know how to do a summary about this andrea i mean if you if you want to take a stab at it because it's there's no way so like yeah
0: this book is in seven big kind of chapters or sections and within each different characters narrate different portions And first of all, that took us both a while to figure out that the narrators change because, well, they all talk very similarly. This is a very dialect-heavy novel, which is beautiful because it's one of those things, it's like reading Shakespeare or, you know, any dialect-based book. It's rough going at first or, you know, like Clockwork Orange, even though that's a made-up dialect, really. But... You have to kind of power through it, and then it kind of moves more fluidly. But we also did the audiobook version, which was really great to have a proper Scotsman do the audio.
1: And that was fun. Yeah. Did you... uh, I don't know if we listened to the same audiobook. There was like a couple of different ones on Audible, but mine was read by Tam Dean Byrne.
0: Yep, that's the same one.
1: So he actually uh, played Renton, the the main character in the the movie. Uh, He played Renton for the stage play.
0: Oh, shit. That's awesome, yep
1: so that's pretty cool, but uh yeah it's it's really it, it was a really weird, interesting um book to go through because of like you know you're getting different p- perspectives in this friend group, sometimes you're getting some of the some of the girls' perspectives those usually those came like later on in the book, and i was a bit- i was just like, oh okay, and then some, there's like a couple of chapters that are like in third person, and yeah, um, which actually I kinda liked those maybe the most the, at least the way he wrote i guess maybe because it was like a nice breakup from the uh straight dia dialect writing it was actually really nice but anyways um first thoughts on on the book andrea
0: i had only previously seen the movie so i was really curious mm-hmm. about the book and the book was i mean it was a great listen because a there's a lot of other kind of side stories and misadventures you don't see in the movie because I think, I mean, as a whole, I said this to Michael, the movie to me does a better job of just being a cohesive story, even though obviously the movie's a bit more surreal. They take a lot of creative liberties as well, and but they keep the colloquialism so on par. And like the music selections are so appropriate. But yeah, the book just has a lot more stuff.
1: And a lot of more fucked up things
0: so much jesus christ like that's the thing you walk away from the movie and obviously there's the the dead infant which is kind of one of the rougher points of the movie and then you come away from the book going oh it got a lot worse which is a lot to say about a piece of work but i mean yeah i really enjoyed getting to read the novel
1: there's some things that that are in the novel even though they are fucked up that i kind of liked more um Like there's some stories that I thought were really interesting, and they they didn't put them in there. But I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting short stories in this, and they and they kept a lot of the interesting ones in there. But there's like there's like a couple of them, and and I get why they took some of them out because some of them follow rent renton's brother which we never meet in the film they there's also stories with davy which they sort of mix davy with with a spud a bit for the movie so davy got cut out and replaced and, and added to spud and like the bad blood chapter um is one of the most One of of the most fucked up parts of the book, which is where... It's the one where Davey finds out he got HIV and it was all this one guy's fault. So he goes to a HIV anonymous meeting and basically figures out a way to terrorize the guy. Um, So that, like, as he dies, he feels absolutely horrible. But I... That was the
0: rougher bit of the book for me.
1: Like, it it was really fucked up, but I enjoyed that story, and, and I agree, it was really rough, especially when Davey is explaining what he did, um, and I'm not going to go into it, but it's, uh, it's, it's hard to get through, but I was just sort of like, I was like, all right, I'm actually, for, in a weird way, enjoying this part. Um, another story, it was, because I think it was like a nice story that, uh, become a little bit more sympathetic towards Renton, was the Mark Hunt short story about um, when Kelly is working at the bar and then she's, like, calling, saying Mark Hunt, which sounds like her saying something else um, in a Scottish accent. And, like, Mark's, uh, Renton is laughing with everyone else and then he stops and realizes everyone is laughing in a way that's humiliating her. And he's, like, if he, he's like, if I had known, basically he says, if I had known, I wouldn't have laughed. So he's like, how would I have known? And he feels horrible for laughing at Kelly because um, he just thought it was a funny situation, but he sees that everyone's doing it to make fun of her. And so there's a, there's a couple of things, and also I really liked the little um, ramblings, which were like the junk dilemmas that were, like appeared in each section, which I think one of them appeared in the movie. He he goes into some like interesting opinions about junk, which is heroin, and and its uh, relation to life and society and stuff. So there's things like that that are really interesting with the book.
0: True. But it's interesting because you brought up Davy. I feel like Davy was split up in an interesting way to... They gave Tommy some of Davy's story because mm-hmm. Tommy becomes the person who dies because of the to- toxoplasmosis aggravating the HIV, and which is so fucked up like already as a story in the book but when you think about the fact that it's all kind of because of Renton that he stole the DVD of Tommy and his girlfriend having sex which sent them down this whole spiral of them breaking up and then that leads Tommy to wanting to try heroin for the first time and then there's that also that really sad portion in the book where he's like why am I the only one who's contracted this and Renton keeps saying, I never shared needles. Where he's like, I've done a lot of stuff, but I never shared needles. And it's, like, really sad, but also, poor Tommy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I always figured he was kind of, like, the youngest one in the group or whatever. And you don't really know the full age of everyone. They're, like, I guess somewhere in their 20s. I think Big B might be in his 30s. He He seems like the oldest one, and he's a fucking psychopath who just wants to fight everyone and stab people and... <laughs> Um, Although can I just say I hope-
0: Begbie is mm-hmm. the such a fun character and the actor playing Begbie did such a good job.
1: Oh yeah. Mhm. I bet he had a fun time doing it. God damn fucking psychopath. I mean what was it the the scene when he like throws the beer off the ledge and smashes that woman's face.
0: Well, what's interesting is like the movie it's a group of like already very annoying um like opposing football team guys. But in the movie, yeah. they swap it out for this woman and they just pan to her and it's just like blood face from the glass being thrown. That's <laughs> um, it's what's interesting. Like a couple of things are a bit worse in the movie. I mean, it's small details like that. But for the most part, the book hits much harder. Also, when he goes to... There's one of the great scenes to me, like when he drops the opium oh my god what's that called pills you put in your butt michael the opium suppositories when he drops those like it's already really grody in the book but there's one thing for seeing that disgusting toilet in the movie and the fact that like you know in the novel you know he's like kind of digging for it but in the movie it goes so far as to like well a you're watching him really casually sit on that grody toilet seat and then he's like Drops down to his knees to look for it, and all the time you are thinking of all the fluids he's accumulating, and then he full on dives into the toilet. But then you get this actually really pretty scene of him underwater, looking for, going past mines and looking for these suppositories. Uh,
1: yeah, I really liked that uh, that surrealist scene. Like all of the surrealism that Danny Boyle added to the film was really nice. Like that the uh, the scene when Renton. ODs and gets um basically put into a coffin in the car- in the carpet rug that he uh, falls on and then is like getting carried and i really liked like how they did like the camera shot where it's like they had like the carpet showing on both sides as he's like getting carried out by um which that character got, I guess, got added. They called him Mother Superior. And, like, it taken to the hospital. I I love the way that was done.
0: So, okay, but let's talk about that because that was a weird change from book to movie. So in the book, I forget which character it is, but he talks about how every time a certain character gives them heroin, it's weak stuff. So they're always accustomed to taking a bit more than usual. And that's mm-hmm. what leads to him overdosing. And then in the movie, the Mother Superior person like just brings him and I like that dialogue bit where they're talking like they're putting in an order at a fancy restaurant and the guy's like would you like some garlic bread before your meal and he's like no no straight to the uh, intravenous narcotics place and but he brings him this already (laughs) filled syringe and it's not I'm not even saying it's set up to look like he's being sabotaged but it was a bit different of like oh he just took what was in this injection versus you know this misunderstanding of I thought I was getting weak heroin but really it was stronger than this character normally supplies me with
1: yeah no I get what you're saying it's I I I agree with you I wish they had the the that whole stuff because I think that's an important part talking about like addiction with drugs is that whole sometimes you get watered down shit or um, in current in current uh, times, people who are doing cocaine are finding fentanyl in their drug, and it, it, there's that o- there's the opposite issue of getting something that's too powerful, and then people th- that they don't know and they OD. So yeah, I think that's one thing. I and you're absolutely right that I that the movie should have kept in was was that one thing that I liked also better in the book was the. Um, diane stuff yeah um so diane is this girl that renton picks up from a bar and he sleeps with her and she's like hey you can't sleep in here you need to stay on the couch so he does and he gets woken up and um he thinks he he gets woken up by this person he thinks it's uh diane's flatmate and he slowly comes to realize that it's her parents and she's actually underage. And this was like a chapter where it really shows Renton's dark humor. Um, Yeah. (laughs) What is it? He's talking to the father and they, I really like the conversation in the book. It goes on a way longer than the film does, but he's getting into like conversations with the father and they find, and they get to the point of talking about football and like, he he. What was it? He was like. He said something along the lines of. He was happy. This is the first th- reason he's been happy that he fucked this girl. Besides, I mean, he, what was it? The first reason. I forget shit how he put it, but it was basically saying like he this was something great because he was able to talk about football, um, and like have this great conversation about the teams and whatnot with this guy, and um, it was like. Basically, he was saying it was like one of the perks, besides like actually having sex with this girl. He finds out she's underage, and there's a really, it's a fucked up and dark comedy line at the very end of the story in the book where Diane comes back to his place after he he's trying to like basically ditch her, but she comes back and uh, he what was it? He 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 like had a thought. He was like, I wonder how I'm going to enjoy penitentiary life or something like that. Um, just a really dark comedy punchline that I found funny. It's may not be funny to everyone else, but it was something that just sort of showed off the dark humor of Renton, which we don't really get in the movie. Renton's a bit more serious.
0: Yeah. That's something I think they were missing out too. And then the whole kind of really well-written scene between he and Diane meeting and like each of their mental thoughts throughout the whole time was so honest and endearing of both characters um like because there's a lot of like sexual thoughts obviously but he's also worried like in the book Renton dyes his hair black and so he's worried that when a woman will see him without his pants on she'll wonder why his pubes are a different color um but yeah they're just like both having all these like worries and like concerns about oh is this going to be a bad decision am I going to regret having sex with this person like He's worried about the fact that, you know, she has a baby in the novel and he's like, oh, I've never had sex with a woman with a baby before. How is that going to be? Like, yeah, there's a lot of really understandable human thoughts that people have. And I feel like that was really well done. Although, yeah, yeah, again, in the movie, it's kind of a sort of meet cute moment, I guess, where like straight off the bat, well, A, she's like very sassy. And then he compliments on how sassy she was to another guy. And then she's like, oh, let me guess you're different. Like that was really good dialogue they gave her. Of like, oh, yeah, let me guess, you're unique from all the other guys, and you're about to tell (laughs) me exactly why and why I should let you come home with me. And that was well done, but I I did miss all of, like, the inner monologue.
1: And to go off of what you just said about the the dialogue in the movie, I loved that as she walks away, she gets in the cab and then just leaves with the door open. and the cab driver is like are you coming (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, i i liked i like i did like how that scene was played but i completely agree with you all of the inner dialogue um which is obviously something we don't get in the film uh the inner dialogue of other characters we only get rentons but the inner dialogue stuff is is really interesting of how irvine welsh is able to show the perceptions of different people and different thoughts and stuff Um, and he does it he does it quite a bit in other sections i forget which chapter it is where it's basically in third person and then it gets into interviews with the characters it gets in their thoughts as well so you're, so it's like a it's like a various perspective chapter where it's like third person and then you get the first person perspective of a couple of different characters in this one true but yeah there's a another i really like the there's a they do it danny boyle you did it a couple of times and it was a i thought it was like a cool and um Editing technique where it was in the I know it was used once in the very beginning during the football match with the Skag boys and some random people, and I thought that was a really cool way of introducing the characters a great way of, yeah, going them to sort of in, in that moment. But like, uh, Renton gets the football to the face and then like he's falling backwards, and then as he's falling, it transitions with him falling from just taking a hit of heroin, and now he's at the like, uh, I guess it's just like their special drug house like they do a couple of follow falling or jumping transitions there's the transition of he walks to he walks out the back of a bar and um like he just had taken the three methadones and like he's he needs to get a fix so he hops over this brick fence and the jump He jumps out of the scene, but then he lands on the floor at the drug house. And I thought that was really cool.
0: And that's it's interesting because like I just thought of that scene when you were talking about the transitions. We love a good transition, but Mm -hmm. that's another scene where they kind of handled it differently because it's Renton and Spud both get caught when they were shoplifting and they both go to trial and they actually leave off a really brilliant moment from the trial where they were accused of stealing books and Renton's like, Well, I was actually planning on reading those books and the judge is like, Oh yes. really? He's like, Tell me all about your book reading and he actually launches into this actual like philosophical diatribe where the judge is like, Oh shit, okay, moving on and then Spud's like Yeah Spud's like, I I wasn't gonna read those books, but like <laughs> That was a really good scene.
1: I'm so glad you mentioned that cuz I wrote that down. That was one of my favorite things in the book and it was it was absolutely hilarious and another instance where we see Renton just being funny and it's uh that the humor in the book is nice if you like dark stuff or that one's just kind of just silly but uh
0: Well, that's what's interesting. Like I get a lot of clockwork orange vibes because you have like these very anti-hero protagonists because both Renton and Name, I can't remember anymore because we've moved on. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Alex. Okay. They're both pretty brilliant and just entirely misusing their brains, but they just have these moments of like, you actually have an incredible mind and I love to like witness it in action, but what are you doing? And like, that's one of those really ultimate tragedies of Renton is That's like a layer they leave off in the movie of it's already sad to watch his shit fall apart and like what's happening. But on top of it, like, you know, they don't mention the sick brother dying. And like, it's one of those really sad things where his mom is pleading with him to stop because she doesn't want to lose both of her sons. And like his brother had died within the past year.
1: That's, uh, Renton's very sympathetic. Character and way more so in the book than the than the movie. I mean, you you sympathize with him in the movie, but it's there's a lot more to him than just sort of being a junkie. Like like you said, like he's dealing with his brother and what what, what was the word that he used? Canatonic. Yeah. Um, his brother was canatonic, and and then like he he ul- he ultimately dies at some point in the book, and it's just sort of he's dealing with his brother's like. I guess sort of waste of life because his brother's a vegetable and like it really bothers him and then I guess in a way he's doing drugs to get rid of it but he's not doing anything with his life either except for drugs and so you're just trying to deal with this sort of, or try to understand and sympathize with this complex character.
0: But that's the thing like ultimately this book is made up of just character studies And they're all very dynamic characters. And that's one of the really strong points is getting into the head of some very interesting people.
1: Yeah. Irvine Welsh, I think, did a fantastic job. And I get why it got such a big cult following. I understand why Danny Boyle wanted to make a movie out of it. It's it's an interesting tale. It's something that uh, we don't see enough. I mean, we probably see it enough. I don't know. I guess you don't want every story to follow uh, a druggies, but uh, it's a, I guess, a sympathetic story. And I think the, I can't remember if it was in the book or in the film where basically Renton's talking about how every time someone goes to a penitentiary that every time that they go, it's more likely they'll end up going back in at some point after they get out and how basically taking a hit of junk um, every time you take a hit of junk, you're more likely to come back and sort of sort of associating those two things a bit. Renton's, Renton's quite a bit of a philosophical character. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess also is sick boy. Sick boy is philosophical in his own way. Um, a- another funny moment that was in the book and it was sort of done in the movie was when sick boy uh, shoots the, the dog of the skinhead and the dog ends up attacking the skinhead and then what they didn't show in the movie was sick boy actually saves the guy and then uh, a police officer comes and um, says that I, th- I think that sick boy's gonna get like a heroic award or something. Well, but <laughs> wait, because
0: the... in the book mm-hmm. it's fucked up. Because sickhead want uses this as an excuse to like strangle the dog with its own collar. Sick yes, boy, yes,
1: I forgot about that. Is
0: sick boy's like a mental psychopath, where Begbie's just like the violent one, but he likes to just yeah. play with people. And yeah, he's very interesting, especially on top of the fact that like <laughs> I love him. Um, I think it was Renton when he was, like, talking about picking up women of how he just mm-hmm. made sure to never introduce them to Sick Boy because he was objectively the more handsome one. And he was like, I just never even mentioned him because even though they can't tell what he looks like from a story, I just don't want to bring him up, <laughs> which was really <laughs> funny.
1: Yeah, because what was it? Sick Boy was always, like, getting laid and whatnot. And um, yep. it's it's in that scene... That you you already mentioned it where the baby dies and we 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 ultimately find that sick boy was the father and it's sort of it's that's like one instance we're able to sympathize with sick boy even though yeah he's 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 a he's a kind of a nutcase. <laughs> um, so listening to this story while driving at night and you're going down a, a road that you've never been on and it's really creepy and then unfortunately it's at the point in the audio book where. Uh, you're dealing with the the withdrawal scene? Yeah. Not a fun time. Uh in a place where where you're like going down a winding road and uh it's dark and you 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 you're getting spooked by one the the store, the 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 way this section is told, uh you're just you're just uncomfortable where you're currently at as well. Um not a fun time for me. But it, I do really enjoy that scene a lot and the movie does it really cool there's a there's a like there's a, there's some really cool editing techniques in that scene um in the in the film like the room getting larger and larger as the bolt as the bed is being like pulled back was really cool and when Bigby shows up in the bed and then sort of like disappears when Renton pulls the covers but I think they left out something important that was in the book was when Big B shows up, he actually shows up at the house. Um, yeah. And Renton is trying to basically be like, hey, stop putting on the act of being like a straight-laced person and and give me, give me uh, my hit. And uh, basically Big B is like, no, I don't do that shit anymore. I'm off of it. Um, and basically trying to comfort Renton and saying that like, it's, it's been a couple of days. He's been through the worst of it. It'll get better because Bigby had done it. But um, I thought that was Wait, was that Bigby? Because I thought Bigby
0: never did. He never did drugs and he just judged them, but he was an alcoholic. But, maybe. but yeah, he was talking down okay. to him about it. But yeah, he'd never done any substances.
1: All right. So it was someone else. That, maybe it was Sick Boy that was there. Um, that sounds like Sick Boy. Yeah, it was probably Sick Boy.
0: Oh yeah, because Sick Boy so was he, clean for a little while after the baby died. Yes. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. Like, in the movie, Mm -hmm. a lot of them had kind of stopped for a while, especially after Tommy. And then that was a kind of a change they gave for Renton, because in the book, he had been clean for a while. And then he decides when they do that heroin deal that he wants to try it, because... In the book, he says, you know, after being used to some really shitty heroin all my life, I wanted to try the good stuff for once. He said it was like a sort of Edinburgh junkie bucket list thing. And in the movie, they made it seem like someone had to test it and he drew the short straw. So he's the one who had to try it out, which was an interesting change.
1: But at the same time, I mean, I kind of get why they changed it. It it would have kind of changed up the character a bit. Um, kind of randomly, at least for the film. In the book, it makes sense. Which, I gotta say, uh, Danny Boyle, and I forget the name of the guy who wrote the screenplay for the film, fantastic job picking out a cohesive story (laughs) out of this book. Um, It's pretty, pretty brilliant to find all of the most important bits and bring them together for a straightforward story. So glad they didn't um this this is during the, the the Tommy doing heroin for the first time scene. Um I'm so glad they didn't uh, do the whole uh Renton um you know uh doing heroin uh through the only vein that he, he, he had shown, which was uh you know his penis. on his dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so glad they didn't do that. That was really uncomfortable for me and well, during during the book. Like, uh please no. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and in the movie, uh, we get, like, a weird scene of Mother Superior getting, like, someone else shooting him up in the penis. So, like, someone got yeah. shot up in the penis. It just wasn't Renton. Well, I want to say I'm glad that in the end, you know, after... Obviously, Renton decides to screw his friends out of the money and take it. In the movie, it kind of leaves it open-ended, but in the book, he talks about going to Amsterdam to start over. But I'm glad in both, he decides spud is the most innocent of them and like in the movie you see him leaving the money in the book he just says he will um but mm-hmm. there's a very specific spud scene i want to talk about because it oh, was yeah. in the segment like they had all gone out and were trying to pick up women and i feel like they weren't successful but spud uh specifically gets really sad about it and he's <laughs> he finds solace in listening to the smiths Because he just identifies with that, which was just so pure and like, Spud is just a kid in a in a grown up's body.
1: Mm Mhm. So it's it's now two weeks in a row we've talked about the Smiths. Let's hope it uh, sticks through. Oh my God! So
0: true. See every book about mental illness, we were all at some point into the Smiths.
1: <laughs> Maybe your depression has
0: gotten more sophisticated since then, but.
1: <laughs>
0: and you know what? Okay, here's another. I'm gonna throw it back really quickly because, I'm glad they kept this one small detail because it was just so hilarious to me in the novel. Is how sick boy, likes to think as Sean Connery, or he he thinks he's yeah. speaking to Sean Connery. So in the scene where he is shooting the dog with the airsoft rifle in the movie. Well, that's the thing. So they change that, because in the book, Sick Boy shoots the dog with the airsoft to aggravate it. And mm-hmm. he's they're doing that whole bit of monologue as Sean Connery, but in the movie, they have Renton be the one that actually pulls the trigger, and they do have that really funny line that Sick Boy gives him, which is, for a vegetarian, you're really kind of an asshole or something like that. Um. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh... Which I love that, like, in the novel, too, like, he's like, I'm uh, he's like, I'm not doing it for any reason other than I just don't like the taste of meat. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, when he meets Diane's parents, he's like, I, I ate the bacon. He's like, just not to be rude. But he was like, I was really grossed out the whole time. <laughs>
1: uh, speaking of great lines, I think Allison might have had the best line. Ooh, tell me. Uh when it's so it's when she, she gets she takes the uh, heroin shot and she gets she says that beats any meat injection. Oh that yeah. beats any fucking cock in the world.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, there were a lot of little just because I like to write shit like this down because, you know, I'm a word slut, but like there's these really great phrases from the novel, like interpersonal booby traps, and then there's that whole scene where you meet like Stella and Stevie and the whole like passage there goes like, Stella was a bit of a slag, but Stevie loved her, which made Stella less of a slag in Stevie's eyes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, yes. That's a great line. Um, I I wrote down a line from the film that I, that I wasn't sure was in the book or not, and I think it was when Renton recovered... Um, from the withdrawals, and he's, like, out at a club with, I think, Bigby, and he's just sort of sitting there, and he's, like, sort of observing everyone, he's, like, 1,000 years from now, there will be no guys and no girls, just wankers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on <found> that great.
0: <laughs> so true.
1: Anything else, Andre? Anything else you want to say?
0: Well, I was going to say, like, not only did they take this stream of consciousness novel and make like you said a cohesive story but i think a lot of times when something isn't well done if you try to put in humor after something heavy or around something heavy it can come off really awkward whereas this movie you go from having possibly what is to me one of the best comedic monologues of all times where he's ragging on scotland Mm -hmm. which is like, it's interesting in the book that was kind of just uh, in Renton's head that he's having this sort of discussion with himself, but I really like in the movie how basically Tommy's like, we need to go outside, because he's the most well-adjusted of them still at this point. He's like, we have to go outside, and we have to go hiking. <laughs> and then he he's like, you have to be, you know, proud to be a Scotsman, and he goes into this whole speech about why being Scottish sucks, and you go from that absolutely hilarious scene to the next scene is when baby dawn dies but yeah. like it never feels like it's jarring of the sense of it's a contrast but the writing and like the directing is so good where it just all fits though it's all in the same mm-hmm. fucked up universe of like interesting characters that have really they have shit to say but then also they're in a bad place
1: yep no i used very poignantly um yeah, uh, Danny Boyle and whoever the screenwriter is. Give me one second. Going to look it up. Give me one second. Here we go. Uh, John Hudge. Good job, John Hudge. Proud of you. Very Five nice. stars.
0: Seriously, good job. Or
1: three. Or three stars if you're. Uh, if you're. If you're. Uh, oh my goodness! I just blanked down. on him. Who's, who's the famous <laughs> film? Who's the famous film uh, critic? He died a few years ago. Ebert. I like think the most. F- yeah, thank you. Roger Ebert. Good old E. Yeah, Roger Ebert gave it three stars. Oh. Out of four, because he only does four stars. Um. But uh. Yeah. So also, there's actually a sequel to Train Spotting. Which um, I never saw. Um. So I don't want to see it because it's not actually based off of the book sequel. There's actually a book sequel called Porno that follows the characters of um t- that follows these ki- the Skag Boys 10 years later and instead of it revolving around heroin business it's revolving around the pornography business and apparently some other characters from one of Irvine Welsh's books appear in it as well so it's sort of like a crossover between uh two of his other books so yeah but yeah train spotting too uh, is apparently I think they took some stuff from porno but it's not like a real adaptation of it so hmm. and you know yeah. what
0: kids this this bit we not always remember to do or can do, but our Harry Potter connection. The great Shirley Henderson, aka Moaning Myrtle from Harry Potter, is Gale in Train Spotting. So what? there you go. What have fun with that?
1: Shit, Harry Potter world is also in Train Spotting. Who would have thought?
0: This is what happens uh, when you don't what- get accepted to Hogwarts. No. Um. Or
1: n- n- I I w- I wanna see a uh see a Harry Potter adaptation where it's the Skag Boys g- actually got into Hogwarts and like they're just acting like absolutely uh they're abs- they're acting like absolute wankers as Renton puts it. Um cool. Uh that's train spotting. That was fun. Um recommend the movie. I'd also recommend the book, uh if you wanna drudge through a bunch of dialect stuff. But, uh, Andrea, what are we doing next week?
0: Next week we're doing We Need to Talk About Kevin.
1: Shit! Yeah. What did Kevin do?
0: Something bad.
1: Okay.
0: What is it? Uh. Let's find out. Join us next week. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Join us next week to find out what Kevin did. Have you, have you seen the film?
0: But I have not experienced this at all. I've just heard so many people talk about oh, it for so long. Okay. I know. I know.
1: Alright. I've seen the film, it's been years, but uh yeah, it's gonna it's a tough it's a doozy. And
0: don't we get isn't it Ezra Miller again? Is
1: it oh yeah. Oh I think it is. What Maybe a powerhouse. Like yeah, I I'm pretty sure that is Ezra Miller, which I think is the first film that I saw him at yeah, that's Ezra Miller. And it also has Tilda Swinton in it and John C. Riley.
0: I swear, and if if they use the Smiths in any part of that movie, I will shit myself like Spud (laughs) did. I will shit myself so hard. Uh, Well, let's find out next week. Did I shit myself? I'll tell you about it if I did. I have no shame. (laughs)
1: God, I can't wait to find out. I'm on the edge of my seat.
0: Michael and I won't talk for a week, and I mean not at all. We already avoid talking about the books. We're not going to speak for a whole last week, and he won't know. Mm
1: -mm. Nope. All right. (laughs) What a a conclusion to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, you heard it. You heard it from Andrea. Stay tuned next week to find out. Well, so, uh, as always, uh, you know, read along, watch along, and, uh... Ram with see ding next dong. week. Ramblin' <laughs> <doing a> ding-dong. <laughs> <laughs> Get me out of here, I'm hungry. <laughs> bye! Bingo, bingo, I want it. All right, <laughs> bye. This is not natural, man. It's a great outdoors! It's fresh air. Look, Tommy, we know you're getting a hard time off Lizzie, but there's really no need to take it out on us. Doesn't it make you proud to be Scottish? It's shite being Scottish. We're the lowest of the law. The scum of the fucking earth. The most wretched, miserable, servile, pathetic trash that was ever shat into civilisation. Some people hate the English. I don't. They're just wankers. We, on the other hand, are colonised by wankers can't even find a decent culture to be colonised by! We're ruled by a few assholes! It's a shite state of affairs to be in, Tommy, and all the fresh air in the world won't make any fucking difference!